Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is my story, the one you're here for, the story of the abuse. In the last episode that I spoke about my story, what happened, I took us through the beginning where I began talking to my abuser, but I hadn't yet met him in person. As you know from that episode, the abuse started right away before I even met him in person. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about the first weekend when I met him in person for the first time. But before I go into that, um, after I recorded the first episode um, detailing my story, the beginning, I realized I didn't mention or talk about the first instance of gaslighting um, that I very clearly remember now. And so I want to share that before I go into the next So that first week between me matching with Matt on Bumble and us meeting in person, we would video chat all the time. He made me talk to him on the phone really from 6 o'clock in the morning until about 6 o'clock in the evening. And it was just constant. There was really never a break from him even within that first week before we, we even met. Now, this was at the start of COVID, and I had uh, established a routine for myself where I would teach my class, and then with the few hours I had between teaching classes, I would go for a walk. And I had been making myself oatmeal for breakfast or lunch sometimes, and it was always the same where I would use the like two packages of instant oatmeal just the plain original instant oatmeal i would you know fill it with water heat it up put you know in the microwave and then i would add strawberries blueberries and like a nut medley mixture and that would be like my breakfast for pretty much every day um right at the start of covid now during one of the times that Matt and I were speaking during that first week. I was on video chat with him and I began preparing this bowl of oatmeal as I did every day. And, you know, I had the camera set up, the bowl of oatmeal was prepared and I was beginning to cut up the strawberries and the blueberries And I remember this so clearly. Um, I was adding the blueberries to the bowl. I had washed them, cleaned them, and I was adding them to the the bowl of oatmeal. And I was cutting up the strawberries. And Matt looks, and he went, hey, those are my cousins. And I said, what? Like, not getting it at all. And he was like, yeah, those are my cousins. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, don't you know? I told you this before. And I was like, what? He was like, we share the same name, like my last name. Like, those are my cousins. Like, 
pressing me to get it. Like, why wasn't I understanding this? Like, why wasn't I, you know, catching on or like giving him this information that he was seeking? Right. And I was like, I, you know, what? Like, I don't get it. You know, what do you mean? And he was like, like my last name, Barry. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't know that was your last name. And he was like, I told you. And he was very adamant that, yeah, you do. You should know my last name. I already told you my last name. It's Barry. Get it? My cousin. Strawberries, blueberries, Barry. It's my last name. And I remember, like, trying to, like, search through my memory of, like, when he would have told me or, like, when he supposedly did tell me that his last name was Barry, but it didn't happen. He had not told me that his last name was Barry. And that was the first instance of gaslighting. Like I I shared with you in in the first episode, the abuse started before we even met in person. And that is like the most memorable, uh, I would say like first instance of gaslighting um, as I was making my bowl of oatmeal that day. Um, And so I I just remembered that and I realized I hadn't shared that um, in the story, you know, and the telling of that first week. Um, and so I did want to share, you know, that was the first instance of gaslighting. Um, and so with that, um, we're just going to kind of keep going and, and pick up from that. And so that instance of the oatmeal gaslighting comment, um, I want to say that was on like like mid to later of that first week. Like I want to say like the Wednesday or Thursday or so. Um, because that Friday, April 10th, he was supposed to come over to my apartment to meet me for the first time. Now, as I'm saying this and as you're listening, you know, I know a common question is why would you invite him over to your place for, you know, the first time meeting him? Like you're supposed to do it in a public place. And yes, you're right, right? A hundred percent. You should meet them a stranger in a public place first, but this was during COVID and I hadn't had anything bad like this happened to me before. And so I didn't know. And, you know, he was doing like these weird things, but also like these really like nice things. And I was just caught in a whirlwind, you know, and I thought that I could trust him. Um, and so, we had the plan that he was going to come over to my apartment to meet me for the first time to have kind of like a low key first meeting, you know? Um, and so that Friday, April 10th, 2020, he was going to come over to my apartment where I lived alone with Kirby and Daisy, um, in Arlington Heights. Now we had had plans for him to come over around like eight o'clock that morning. And, you know, that Friday morning I woke up around six, like got out of bed at like six thirty, um, and started to get ready for the day. You know, I took Kirby and Daisy out, um, to use, you know, use the bathroom. Um, and then I, you know, came in and, you know, showered and, my hair was wet. It was like 6.55 and Matt calls me on the phone and he's like, 
you know, which one's your apartment kind of thing, you know, like, you know, I'm coming up to your apartment building. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, and he's like, well, I'm almost there. And I was like, what do you mean you're almost there? You know, we had plans for him to to come over around eight o'clock that morning and it was seven. And so he was early. And so I was like getting really anxious and like, like, what the heck? Like, why are you early? You know? Um, and I was like, I'm not even ready. Like, why are you here so early? And he was like, well, we said seven. And I was like, no, you said eight because he was the one that had decided the time. Like he had said he would be over at eight o'clock. Um, and so this is more gaslighting, you know? And he was like, oh, well, you know, I'm here now. And I was like, well, you know, there's, um, a Walter E. Smith. There was a furniture store right next to my apartment complex. So I said, just park there. I need to finish getting ready, you know, um, because mind you, my hair is still soaking wet. I'm like not even really dressed. I'm like not prepared, right? Um, so he says, okay, you know, I, I see the furniture store. I'll, I'll park here until you're done. And then um, we stayed on the phone for like the five minutes or so while I finished getting ready. And I told him, look, like I'm, my hair is wet. Like I'm not ready. Like what you see is kind of what you get. Like I'm not ready. And I think he you know, stepped up with the, you know, you're beautiful anyway, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Um, so then a few minutes after seven o'clock that morning, um, I said, all right, you know, I can come over. Um, and so, you know, he's in his car and I hear him driving and I tell him what building is mine. And then I hear, you know, he's parking his car and he's like, all right, this is it. And I was getting, anxious, you know, like the first date jitters, you know, of, of meeting them for the first time in person. And, um, he started telling me how nervous he was and how anxious he was to meet me and how, um, he was really, really, really nervous to meet me. And I thought that was like sweet and, and like, you know, oh, like he's nervous to meet me. Like, you know, I matter. I ca he cares about me kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, we're on the phone and he says, all right, I'm here, you know, and the way my apartment worked is, um, there was like a long hallway between like my apartment door and then the hallway and then like a glass door. So like you could enter like the actual building where our, our apartments were. Right. And so he was waiting outside the glass door part. Um, and, and he said, you know, I'm here. And I said, okay, I'll be there in a second. And I hung up the phone, and I remember I put my phone on the entranceway table that I had, this black, long, rectangular entranceway table. And I grabbed my keys, you know, in case I got locked out or something. And um, I just remember, you know, Kirby and Daisy were there in my apartment, not knowing what was going on, what I was doing, knowing that I was, you know, like bustling around a little bit. Um, but they, they didn't know, um, what was about to enter our home. Um, and so I remember I was wearing like a leopard print sweater, like a gray leopard print sweater and like black leggings and my hair was wet down. I, I wasn't wearing makeup. Um, and I opened my apartment door and I can see down the hallway through the glass window, the glass doors, and he's standing there. And he's wearing a gray hoodie with the red, like, outline like, of, like, the, um, the British flag on his sweater. And he's wearing jeans. 
And I'm pretty sure he was wearing Timberland boots, um, like the tan colored ones, because I thought, oh, you know, like he's wearing like a normal outfit, you know, like what a, a normal guy would wear. And so I opened the door and I, you know, there he is. And I said, hi, you know, and I think he said hi back. And right away he said, can I hug you? And I said, sure. And I went in and I hugged him and he held me strongly back. And I remember like breathing him in and smelling him and he smelled good, you know, and he was just, you know, holding me and saying, you know, I was so nervous, you know, I'm still so nervous, you know, and that to me made him, him seem normal. Um, and so we hugged and I asked, you know, do you want to go inside? And, um, obviously yes. And so I took him through the glass door and down the hallway and I said, no, this was my apartment. And I opened the door, and, and that was, you know, I brought him into my apartment. And as I'm, like, thinking about this, like, right away, like, right away, I knew, like, like, Kirby didn't like him right away because they both, Kirby and Daisy, went up to greet him at the door, as they typically did, you know, when, when people would enter my home, um, because they were very friendly dogs, loving dogs, right? And Daisy um, greeted him and she was so young and naive and didn't know. Um, and so she was wagging her tail greeting him. And Kirby went to greet him for like not more than a few seconds and then backed away because I am sure he knew, he sensed the evil. I'm sure of it. Um... And I obviously didn't know. Um, and so then, um, you know, I asked Matt if he wanted to see, you know, a little tour around the apartment. And, you know, I was feeling nervous, too, um, meeting him for the first time. And I took him on a little tour and showed him, you know, the bathroom, bedroom, my closet, like the living room, all of that stuff. And then we, like, sat down on my couch um, and just kind of started talking and hanging out. Um, but then, like, right away, like, within maybe five minutes of us sitting down on the couch and, and meeting each other for the first time in person, um, Matt started asking me what my insecurities are. And, and really pushing this and asking, you know, what are your insecurities, you know? And I was like, why, you know, you know, kind of like cowering into myself, trying to cover up a little bit. And he said, you know, I need to know so that I can make you feel loved and cared for and, um, you know, make you feel special about these things, about your insecurities. And he was like, you know, is it your stomach? You know, because I was like kind of cowering into myself and he, you know, we were sitting on the couch and he like leaned over and like grabbed my stomach and kind of like shook it a little bit and was like, it's your stomach, isn't it? You know, kind of laughing. And I was like, you know, you get like panicky, nervous, you know, when someone's like violating you like that. And I was just kind of laughing, um, in response. Um, and he was like, you know, I need to know, 
you know, your insecurities and like, you know, you're not fat. Like, why would you be insecure about this? You know, you're fine. You're beautiful. Um, and just reiterating, like, I need to know what your insecurities are to make you feel special and loved. Um, and that was a really weird, um, like thing that he did, you know? Um, and so then the day went on, um, and we started out by hanging out on the couch, um, in my living room, watching a Disney movie that I had put on, which was Moana, because I really liked Moana. Um, and that, I think, we actually might have watched Moana later on in the afternoon, because I remember, like, we were eating lunch as we were watching Moana. Um, so we were sitting on the couch, we were just kind of repassing the morning, you know, and... Um, he was pressing, you know, a relationship right away. Like that morning when we were still getting to know each other in person for the first time, he kept pressing a relationship and saying, you know, why don't you want one? Like, why don't you want to just be official? You know, I like you, you like me, you know, let's just make it official. And like, kind of making comments about, like, why would I need to, like, why wouldn't I commit? Is it because I need to go out there and kind of whore around a little bit? Like, um, you know, what other reasons did I have to not commit to him? And I was just telling him, like, you know, I'm not ready yet. You know, I want to take my time. I want to make sure this is right. You know, that kind of thing. And he was very, very much pressuring me that we needed to be in a relationship. And, like, why wouldn't I want to be in a relationship with him? You know? Um, And so... And then it was around, I think it was early. It might have been like 1030 or 11 um, that we went to get lunch. It might have been like 11 or so. Um, and, you know, he asked what I wanted. And we looked in the area and there was like a Panda Express. Like halfway between where I lived and worked, where I taught. And so we went... Um, and we went in his car to Panda Express and now his car was a 2020 black Ford Explorer, um, very much like a police car, you know, and he had stickers on the back, um, that said EMT, um, and along the side windows of his car, um, to really, you know, announce to the world that he was an EMT. Um, and so we got in his car, I was in the passenger seat and he, you know, put in the GPS, um, to go to the Panda Express. And as we're pulling out of the parking lot, he, you know, was on his phone, um, looking at music to play as we're driving and he finds a song and he puts it on and says, you know, listen to the song because this song makes me think of you. And so he put the song on and I started to like not pay attention, like zoning out a little bit, like from the song to just kind of like look out the window and just thinking about like, wow, like we're finally here together, you know, just thinking about, you know, are we going to end up dating? You know, what's going to happen? And he noticed that I was spacing out and he wasn't happy with that. 
and he noticed me spacing out and he wasn't happy and he like called me back to attention and was like listen to the song you know I'm telling you it's special I'm telling you that I think of you when I hear this song so listen and I knew then that I had to listen to the song that I didn't have a choice and so he played the song again he restarted it and as he was putting his phone down I saw you know, a little icon on his phone of what the song is. And the song was called Forever's Gotta Start Somewhere by Chad Brownlee. And I um, I will see if I can add in a clip of the song um, without being copyrighted. But if it gets copyrighted, then so be it. But the song, um, and I'm like sitting here and like the lyrics are playing over in my head. <clears throat> Um, but it goes, you know, the chorus is, this could be the first night of the rest of our lives. Um, we started something right here. Um, and then it's like, you call me crazy. I think we'll make it forever's got to start somewhere. And the song is very much about, you know, it's the first time you're meeting someone like it's right away. People might call you crazy, but like forever's got to start somewhere, you know, and that this is like forever. And that's the message of the song that he's playing for me, um, that first time that we're meeting. So as you see, you know, like, it's very much love bombing, you know, and um, I'll go ahead. I'll pause here. I'll see if I can add the song. If not, we'll just keep moving. But this is hopefully the attempt at playing, you know, Forever's Gotta Start Somewhere. on a downtown train I would have walked up and asked your name Midnight in a crowded room I would have had to come talk to you Anywhere, I don't care Forever's gotta start somewhere The dance floor of a dive bar You would have walked by and stole my heart Summer night at a county fair I would have stopped in my tracks instead And I'd have known right then and there Forever's gotta start somewhere First night of the rest of our lives We started something right here You call me crazy But I think we'll make it Forever's gotta start somewhere Forever's gotta start So if that didn't go, fine. If you have a minute to look it up. Um, that song is very much still like representative of the trauma um, and the abuse. And so, so he played that song. Um, he always played country music when he um, drove us around everywhere. Um, but he took us to Panda Express and um, he paid um, which I was like aware of, I was noticing, you know, because, you know, like when a guy takes a girl out, like he should be the one to pay, you know? And, um, so we ordered like our little bowls of like noodles and like orange chicken. I think we both got the same thing and he's pulling up and he's getting his card out. And I remember the card had like the American flag on it from like us bank or something. And, um, and I noticed it was a debit card because I was trying to think, you know, all like of his finances and stuff. You know, can he 
is he using a credit card for you know that kind of thing and as we're sitting waiting for our food he turns the radio on and tells me that he has that like the radio interceptor where you can hear um like dispatch and you can hear um you know what they're saying to emts or to the police officers and he explained to me that he listens and he tunes into the radios all the time because if he needed to go somewhere um, and respond to an emergency, if he's in the area, then he can just go. And so he's listening to these radio dispatch um, communications all the time. And so as we're listening to one, it's about like, I think it was like a 12-year-old boy or something, and they were calling for medical, and it was something... Um, I don't remember the details. I remember thinking, like, oh, what if this was, like, a drug thing? Well, I don't know if that's what it was. But it was kind of a lot to hear, and I wasn't really um, wanting to be present to that information, that situation, right? And so Matt kind of saw that I was uncomfortable. And so he turned that radio, you know, dispatch communication off, and we started to drive home. And as I mentioned earlier, this Panda Express was halfway between where I lived and the school where I taught at. And... You know, he's asking how we got home, and I offered, you know, I can show you the school where I teach at um, because it's on the way home. And he said, sure, you know. And so I take him by the school where I taught at, which, like, in hindsight, you know, with everything that happened, um, you know, I regret showing him where I, I taught, but you didn't know in the moment, right? And... So I drove him, I showed him through the parking lot, and, you know, he asked, you know, where my classroom was, and I showed him what side of the building it was on, and he commented saying that, you know, he could enter my classroom, and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, like, all firemen, like, paramedics, EMTs, like, we all get, like, a master key to the city that opens up, like, every door in, like, the school buildings, and so he was like, I could just go in there, you know, and then he was like, yeah, we need to have a key in case of an emergency, like, we need to be able to access you, and I remember thinking, like, the feeling that, like, comes up as I'm thinking about that is, like, fear. You know, thinking, like, you know, like, you're you're not safe. I would say the feeling is not safe, that he could just access that, you know, because I had never heard of that. And I was just, you know. Um, and so then we drove home, and I took him on the path that I would always take home. And it was, like, a back road, a side road that was ironically, like, right by my therapist's office. Um, and I remember as we were talking, you know, about work and everything, and he had said that he made a lot of money. Like, he had said he made a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot, lot of money with his job, um, like, with his investments or something or, you know, like, that he owned this company, like this HVAC company. Um, but I got to talking about, you know, my salary and how much I made. Um, and it was a decent amount, you know, at the time I, um, I think I was making like 80, $82,000 or something like that. Um, and I share that because I think that his ears perked up when I share that information. Um, and I, I think now that he was like yeah I'm getting my hooks into her like where I'm staying you know like she's mine you know with that kind of money like I can provide you know um but you know I think he mentioned something about his dad too at that point um just kind of offhandly about talking about his dad or something 
And then we drove back to my apartment and then sat down and on the couch and had the Panda Express Chinese food. And um, that's when I, like, very much recall right now watching Moana because it was, like, one of my favorite Disney movies. And um, it hurt for a while after all of this to watch the movie because it brought me back to this moment to this day, right? And so we finished lunch um, and... You know, we're sitting on the couch, and he, you know, put himself right next to me, you know, as guys do um, when they want to make a move, you know, and he got really close to me and was, like, very much, like, we were kind of laying on the couch a little bit, and then he, like, leaned into me, um, waiting for me to, like, officially make the first move, you know, and because he, like, had positioned himself in this way, like, I really didn't have a choice, you know, and so... Um, I kissed him and then it led to kissing, you know, making out. Um, and I, uh, offered to go back to the bedroom, you know, and, um, cause you know, as a young person, you know, you're single and I don't know, I, it's hard for me to talk about because it wasn't like a consensual anything that happened with me and him ever, but especially that time. Um, and so I am going to pause here and kind of put a little trigger warning on this because this is, um, I am about to detail sexual assault, um, that I experienced. And so, So we went back to my bedroom and, you know, things are like it's kissing and then it kind of goes right away into like sex. But like we were talking about it first being like, is this what we want to do? Like what's going to happen? And I asked him, you know, like if he gets you know, his health checked regularly, like if he has STDs or anything like that. And he said, you know, no, no STDs. He, he said he has only been with two women in his life, and that was 10 years ago. He hasn't been with any other woman in 10 years. And uh, so he's giving me this lie, I later learned, you know, and... um I asked him if he had a condom and he said he was actually allergic to latex and he couldn't use latex. And so I very much felt coerced that I, you know, wasn't in a place where I could say no, um, because he was pushing me on this and, you know, I couldn't use protection and safety. Right. And then Matt told me that he was actually unable to have children because, of how he was raped growing up that it affected him so that he was infertile and wasn't able to have children as the doctors had told him. And so this is like a lot of information like being bombarded on me. And then, um, I wasn't in a place to say no and I wasn't consenting to the full truth. And so it was sexual assault. 
And then afterwards, Matt asked me if I had gotten off. And I said, no, because I didn't. I had not. You know, I think as is typical, unfortunately, with a lot of women, um, you can think what you want, whatever, but, you know, when they, you know, engage in sexual relations with a guy, typically the, the idea is that a lot of women don't get off because, you know, whatever. And so whatever happened with me in my past and everything, like I had just not experienced you know, that with a partner before. And so with Matt, it was no different. You know, I wasn't really expecting anything. But to him, it was a huge issue. Um, and, like, the mood changed instantly. When I told him I hadn't gotten off, it was a, it was a huge issue for him. Um, and he started um, – sorry, as I'm about to, like, disassociate as I'm talking about this with the trauma. Um. He started really, like, guilt-tripping me and asking, you know, why I hadn't gotten off, why I didn't trust him, blaming me, saying, accusing me that I didn't trust him, that I didn't feel safe with him, and that if I couldn't let myself go and, like, release with him, then what was he doing here? I didn't care about him, and that this was the reason he was suicidal, that this was the reason he was going to kill himself, because I didn't care about him, because nobody cared about him, and this is the reason that he was going to kill himself. So... We just had this moment together, whatever, right? And now he is is telling me that because I didn't get off, that he's going to kill himself. And that was when the dynamic started. Um, if I can like pinpoint really, um, apologizing. And kind of like begging for forgiveness and saying, I'm sorry, you know, it wasn't about him. Um, but that was absolutely when that dynamic started. Um, and that's really hard. Um, and so, you know, shortly after that, you know, I think we sat on the couch for a little bit afterwards. And, you know, during this time, Kirby and Daisy were around, um, and Kirby didn't want to engage with Matt and Daisy was more so. I think Kirby was sitting more by me um, and Daisy, you know, they both sat by me, but Daisy was so young and didn't know that she was more, I think, susceptible to love um, and like wanting to love. And, um, and so she, you know, was by him a little bit that day and, then around 3 o'clock or so in the afternoon, Matt said that he had to go because he had work that night and kind of pushed again that, you know, why why aren't we official? Why can't we be official? You know, and saying that, um, you know, he cares about me. I care about him. You know, why can't we be official? Um, and then he left, and it was like a whirlwind of a day, you know, where, like I said, Throughout the whole thing, you know, he's doing these, like, nice things and also, also these, like, weird things. And um, I didn't know which way was up. Um, but I knew that he, like, was providing me with attention and showing me that he cared about me. Um, and, 
you know, but that Friday I stuck to it and said, you know, no, I'm not ready to make this official yet. So then he went home and um, said that he was at work. And I want to say, yeah, because he, yes, I remember that because um, it was that night, the night that we had met in person for the first time um, when he was supposedly at work. Um, well, he was video chatting me. We were doing the face or video chat on Snapchat and he was driving around in his ambulance. Um, and then, you know, he's sitting there and he starts holding his heart, his chest. And he's telling me that he feels a heart attack coming on. And, um, he had told me before, um, in one of our conversations that he had had two heart attacks previously because when he was born, he was born prematurely and that caused him to have a lot of heart issues. And he had also mentioned having a DNR, um, but that he was planning on changing and taking away, um, after meeting me, which as I'm telling you about the ups and downs and like the whirlwind and saying he's going to kill himself, but that also, you know, he's revoking his DNR because he believes in me and us and our relationship and all of this. It's just a lot. And so he's sitting there on video chat, holding his chest, saying he, his heart's hurting and he feels like he's having a heart attack and he, he feels like his hands are trembling a little bit. And so I'm asking like, well, what are you going to do? You know? And, um, he says, well, he's going to go get checked out and, um, you know, he's driving and he drives back to what he said was the hospital. Um, but I think might've been like the hub for the ambulances in hindsight. Um, but he said, you know, his, he, he saw someone. Um, and by this point, like he put the phone down. So like, it was only like his feet that I was really seeing, you know, and like the tile floor. And I heard a guy ask, you know, how, like, what was up kind of thing. And Matt said that he was, having some chest pains and, you know, his chest hurt, chest is hurting and he's, he wants to get it checked out, you know, and, and then Matt hung up and didn't say, he just hung up. Um, and then he started texting me and he was texting me all throughout the night, um, saying that he was getting, um, what is it? The echo, you know, scan and everything like his heart checked um and that they were admitting him into the hospital and he's texting me this throughout the night and I just remember thinking like oh my gosh like I just met him this day I just met him today like what is going like this is wild you know and also thinking but he's not even my boyfriend officially you know and so like what am I like if something happens to him what am I what are we you know and um He's texting me saying that the doctor start, stopped it, um, that just just in the nick of time, you know, that he saw this heart attack coming on and was able to stop it, um, but that they were keeping him there. And then Matt stopped responding around, I don't know, 9 o'clock at night or so. Um, and then the next morning, he's, like, texting me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, are you okay? Like, where are you, you know, and... And then the next morning he's, you know, he texts me and I was just like, you know, are you okay? Like what happened? You know? And he said that they kept him in the hospital until like one thirty in the morning and didn't get home until like three or something like that. And, you know, it was just a long night. And, um, and that was just very wild. 
very wild. And so then that brings us to that Saturday, April 11th of 2020, when we were texting throughout the day and he calls me and we're talking on the phone and he, you know, is doing the pressuring of, you know, we're not in a relationship, you know, all this stuff and, and the love bombing and, and then I figured, you know, well, what the heck, you know, like, why not just be official? You know, he's giving me this attention, you know, um, like he can, he's doing these nice things, I guess, you know, you know, like why, why not? And so we're on the phone with him and I tell him, okay, like we can be official. And he's like, okay, you know, and it was kind of awkward because I was, I think I was kind of waiting for him to like, ask me like, will you be my girlfriend? And, and then that, that didn't happen obviously. And, um, he was like, all right, well we're official then. And I was like, okay, you know, and, and I was saying, commenting on how I felt a little, little weird, you know, doing this over the phone and, um, and, the, and that our anniversary, you know, I guess would be this April 11th. You know, I was saying I would rather have done this in person, you know, but I wasn't ready because he was giving me a hard time about, you know, well, why didn't you do it in person yesterday when you had the chance and, you know, saying I wasn't ready. And then he said, well, let's just make that April 10th our anniversary, you know, and, um, and I felt a little bit like uh, off about that, but I was like, okay, you know, I guess. And um, so then we were officially boyfriend and girlfriend. And later that night, I was texting my friend, my best friend at the time, and she was starting to get concerned. I think that this guy, you know, I told her that I was in a relationship, that we made it official. And she was kind of like, whoa, you know, like that's really fast, you know, and like, why? What's the rush? What's the hurry? You know, and I didn't tell her that's because he was pushing me, you know, but I just said, oh, you know, why not? Like, things are feeling right, you know, and it was because he was pushing me, you know, and um, and so she was unsure about that. And, you know, it was what happened. Um, and then the next morning, which was Sunday, April 12th, that was the day that. Matt said, I love you for the first time. Two days into us meeting, technically one day into us, quote unquote, being official. And then a week and two days into us having matched on Bumble, he said that uh, I love you. And so I remember us again, video chatting um, all day. And I was sitting on my bed in my bedroom, obviously, and he, you know, I'm going to disassociate talking about this again, um, but he had been pushing me like all morning on the phone, just like saying things that he felt very strongly about us. You know, he felt good, like he felt right. You know, I was very special, all this stuff and pushing, you know, the idea of I love you. And I had told him, like, I have my rules. Like, I'm not going to say I love you in per like over the phone. Like it has to be in person. And he was giving me a hard time about that. But I was very much like, no, I'm not going to say it over the phone. Like, it has to be in person. And he kept kind of toying with it um, and pushing it. And, you know, so I'm sitting there on the bed. And he's in his ambulance, you know, at work eating sunflower seeds. Because he would eat sunflower seeds all the time. And he's chewing the sunflower seeds and saying things, you know. And then he starts pushing it and saying things like... I love, 
your shirt or I love your smile, you know, things like this. And just saying that if like four times, four or five times, maybe. And I know what he's getting at and I know what's coming. And I keep saying, you know, no, no, like we have to say this in person. Like these are my rules, you know, say it in person. And, and it's kind of going back and forth like that. And then, you know, he says, you know, why? Like if, I, if we're feeling this, like why, you know, what, what rules? Like why can't we just say it, you know? putting this back on me that I'm the problem for having rules for not saying it over the phone, let alone two days in us meeting, you know? And, and finally with this little bit of back and forth, he's in the ambulance and then he kind of slows down and, and he says, Sarah Manos. And I almost want to say he said my middle name too. Um, but he said, Sarah Manos. And I knew it was coming. And he says, I love you so much. And then I didn't say anything. I just kind of paused and was looking at him. And he says, you know, I love you with my whole heart, you know, with everything that I am. And there, that's it. You know, kind of there's all there is to it, you know, and and I think I responded saying something like, I know, you know, and saying, you know, I have my rules, you know, and he was like, well, you know, if you're not going to say it back, that's it, you know, and and then like the conversation ended like pretty much right after that because he wasn't happy that I wasn't saying I love you back to him right then, but he said it. And, you know, he did tell me that, you know, when it happened, when I said it to him, or just when we exchanged I love yous, um, I wasn't allowed to say I love you too, because he didn't like it. He hated I love you too. You know, he had this argument of why, why do you love me too? Why don't you just love me? Why are you saying it in response to me? Like, why don't you just love me? And that was a very, um, that was like his thing is you can't, I was not allowed to say, I love you too. It would just be, I love you. And then I love you. But that was that Sunday, April 12th. He said, I love you for the first time. And that was the first weekend. One week into us matching on Bumble and talking. Two days into us meeting in person. One day into us being official, he said, I love you. So that was the first weekend. As you know, it gets a lot worse from here on out. And so I'm going to end this part of my story here um, and this episode here and now. And I hope that we can take a breath. Um, and just be present, you know, because this is a lot to hear. I know for me, like, this is a lot for me to relive. Like I had started filming this on or recording this episode on Friday. And then I, I was, I stopped halfway through and then yesterday I was planning on recording more, but it was really hard for me to like muster it up to sit down and speak about this and relive these experiences and these memories, this trauma, And so I know for me, it's a lot, Um, but I want to share my story because I want you to know what we went through, what I survived, what happened, 
to us, to me, to Kirby and Daisy, and what he does, um, how he abuses, because it's not just me. It's dozens of women who have come forward and have been abused by him. And so I'm sharing this with you, um, but I'm going to pause this now and thank you, especially in this episode now, as always, for listening, for caring, for your support, for being present to my story, to what I went through, to the abuse, the suffering, the trauma, because I know that's a lot. And so thank you for everything. And I'm going to end this here. Um, And I will see you on the next episode. Take care.